if you have a really busy life, it's really difficult for you to keep up with all the headlines. We got you on this show. So on this show, we're going to discuss the the latest headlines of the week. My name is Robin Copernicus with Metaverse Land Club, the think tank toolkit community for investor entrepreneurs looking to grow generational wealth. And I am joined by Anna Narvaez. And I think that's the first time that I've ever pronounced your name correctly. How did I do? I think that's the closest you've ever been. So good job. <laughs> All right. I'm trying. I'm trying. But it's not still there. All right. Well, let's go into the headlines. So in today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about ETH and gas. Then we'll cover some MLC community updates. Then the the uh, segment that we do every single show is the road to NFT adoption, where we'll, we will talk about developments happening in the metaverse space. We'll also talk about land, a new piece of land that's coming out, some more hacks with right-click heist, the top headlines, and then also we'll end it with the NFT of the day. And there's actually a lot going on this week. Have you been paying attention to the markets at all, Anna? It's been a bloodbath. I'm not sure if you have, and and we'll actually bring that up during community updates. But if we're looking at gas right now, going into the Discord, gas is super low. It's 2,346. And this is compared to what it was around December when it was $4,500. So, I mean, it has tanked a lot. Bitcoin is at half of its all-time highs. And what you've probably noticed this past week is that gas has actually been pretty high. Gas has been it's been hovering around 100 to 150, and that's because so many people have been trying to get out of their investments because of the Fed rate increase. So when the Feds increased the rate, they made it more expensive for people to borrow money. Pretty much everything started crashing from stocks, crypto to everything, and we might even be seeing a housing crash come soon. And I'll, I'll actually have a another expert in the Houston real estate scene to talk a little bit more about what's going to happen in Houston real estate and how that, how those kind of outlooks reflect with metaverse real estate. So yeah, so gas, gas has been, or the price of Ethereum going down and I actually wanted to open up OpenSea. And if you take a look at OpenSea, we can see all these collections that have just dropped so much in value. So Azuki, Azuki had a 20 Ethereum floor just two weeks ago. The other deed, this a couple of days ago, we're selling for under mint price. So if you thought about mint price, mint price was around $6,000 in ApeCoin. And with the Ethereum price dropping, I've seen prices for other deeds go around $5,900. Um, Mutant Ape, it was up, actually, I think it was up pretty high. And now it kind of dropped back down to 20 where it was a month ago. Board Ape, I've seen, I think I've seen the lowest it go down to was maybe 70 really quickly. But Board Ape, Mutant, they're pretty much holding their value. A lot of these other, Moonbirds is holding, holding his value. Doodles is holding his value. Azuki had a huge drop. And one of the reasons why Azuki had a huge drop is because the founder wrote a blog article about how he was involved with some other projects and the other projects that he named a lot of people consider those projects rugs so my opinion my opinion is people are using that information to create fud fear uncertainty and doubt to tank the azuki price 
So probably they could come in into Uzuki later. And the reason why I say this, or the reason why I still believe that Uzuki, I don't hold any Uzuki or any of these right here, but the reason I believe Uzuki is still a good hold is because the team, they've done a lot of innovative things in the blockchain. And it's not like the founder was hiding the fact that he was working on all these other projects. He was very blatant about it, blunt about it. As an entrepreneur, I mean, you're going to have some successes. You're going to have some failures. So Azuki, they're pretty, they're pretty well known for coming up with the 7218 contract, which drastically reduced gas prices. And a lot of people were adopting their contract. And if you see people doing innovative things like this in the space, then you would still want to put your, or I, I shouldn't say you, me, I still have my, my faith in them. And if one thing doesn't go, it, that success should carry on to something else, especially if they're doing innovative things like this, because the space is pretty much brand new. So yeah, overall, I mean, the markets have been taking Murakami Flowers. This was at 3.7 Ethereum yesterday. And I think that's the lowest that it's been. When this first came out, I mean, the seeds were selling for like 7 Ethereum, 10 Ethereum. So what you're seeing is just a lot of liquidity leaving the market. Me personally, I think this is a great time to find some steals. It's still, I, I will preface that by saying that do not catch a falling knife. So when things are falling, you don't want to buy the dip, right? That's that's not a good idea. So do not catch a falling knife. What you typically want to do is when that velocity of that fall stops and then, you know, you start seeing the signals where things may rise again, that's probably a better better place to come in. And then, of course, if you're investing in NFTs, I mean, you just want to invest in what you like. That way, whatever you're holding is something that you'll be happy holding. You're not just holding it for the value in ethereum pretty scary stuff right anna have you been following any of this at all no not really but i wanted to ask you like about the contract you mentioned for Asuki. i'm coming here from on trying to save the newbies so maybe you can explain a little bit about what that contract means and why does it save gas yeah so when you're writing information to the blockchain the more information that you write to the blockchain, the more it's going to, there's, there's several different areas where gas prices come involved. So one, when you're writing information to the blockchain, you're going to incur gas, right? So when the person is deploying a contract, which means they're deploying a computer program to the Ethereum virtual machine, that has a cost depending on how large that program is. The, the, lead, the lower amount of lines, it's going to be more efficient than more lines because you're writing less to the blockchain. Now, the same thing for people that are minting as well. When they're minting, depending on how you're handling the mint, there's opportunities to save gas there as well. Because when you're going through the minting process, depending on how much information you're writing on the blockchain or how you're actually handling that whole minting process, will will determine what your gas price could be. So what you've seen in the past couple of months is a lot of amateurs that have gotten into the space. When you try to mint their tokens, they have extremely high gas prices because they weren't trying to think about gas efficiency for its users. Well, Azuki, they released a contract that was pretty innovative and it was called the ERC 721A contract. So when I say 
ERC 721A contract. We have another video on this. What's the difference between a 721 and an 1155? The name of the video is why are there other, other owners for my NFT? And that, and I think the thumbnail says semi-fungible. So Azuki for the completely fungible NFTs, they made this 721 contract that was gas efficient. And I know when our blockchain developers looked at it, they were like, wow, they were they were pretty impressed. The market itself was pretty impressed. A lot of people adopted their contract for their own minting, and it really brought down the minting prices. So this was something that that Azuki, you know, established themselves as offering to the web. And, and the 721A contract is also sometimes called the Azuki contract. That's pretty big. I don't even know. Yeah. So it's at 8.4 8 right now. And then let's see. To be honest with you, I don't even know too much about the Azuki project. I don't know what utilities it brings. But my sentiment is just with everything that's going around with this founder coming out with this blog piece and people using that opportunity to drop the price of Azuki. All right, MLC community updates. So it's been kind of slow, right? Mother's Day, we've seen pretty much no activity in the Discord or on the blockchain. Gas prices were actually at 15 guay in the Discord. To kind of recap of what we did with the Slate Mint, we provided different options for Slate holders. And it's just like a really quick recap. We provided different options for Slate holders. We offered them a full refund or ability to trade their liquidity in for MLC tokens and some other options. And then one of our community members suggested a fourth option, which is why don't we use the money that we collected to facilitate a group buy instead of doing a refund? So instead of doing a refund, I'm really happy that the community trusted me to put this group by together and and it says a lot because they could have immediately said no you know give me my money back let me get a refund but the majority of people i think only one person said they'd be okay with the refund but that person also voted on the group buy so now what we're doing is we're actually looking at different land because land has tanked so much i mean if you look at the sandbox it's tanked by 75 75 percent if you look at axie infinity that's tanked by a lot the cheapest piece of land you can get around december was seventeen thousand dollars and now you can get a piece of land for three thousand dollars so that's tanked i think when i crossed the numbers it was around 88 percent. so you're seeing a lot of these lands tank and this is because just it's a bloodbath out there with the entire market, with everything going down. And there's a lot of people that are scared. We had a comment from one of our Discord members saying this, you know, this is uh, the time for the adventurous to come out. And that was Eorm, time for the adventurous to come out and play. And yeah, I think if you're definitely watching this, then you're still in and you're definitely adventurous and you're still out to play. We have another community update. It's a little bittersweet. I'm not sure how to you know, position it. I'm actually really happy, but I'm really sad at the same time. And this is, well, Anna, Anna has been with us for a very long time. And Anna, she decided that she was going to switch up her journey and she wanted to start working towards something that had a veganism mission. No one in the MLC organization wanted to wanted to become a vegan. So we were all really supportive of Anna with this decision and Anna got a job offer and whoever is hiring Anna, you guys are really lucky to have her. But yeah, Anna, tell us about this uh, new job that you have. You're right, it's super bittersweet, especially just 
announcing it. So just to give everyone a little bit of a background on myself, I started, I became vegan last year and it really has changed my weight just to see. It has changed my lifestyle, has changed my values and how I relate everything. So I came to the decision that I wanted to change up my professional journey into something that was on the activist side of veganism. And the way I've chosen to do this is I've actually joined. Well, I got, as Robin said, I got a job offer for a vegan creative marketing agency. And it's just basically working with a team of vegans for vegan businesses. And yeah, I just feel really excited that I can start follow start to follow something that I definitely feel passionate about and that definitely like just yeah holds so and much weight for me <laughs> yeah yeah and we definitely want to support you really congratulations it's I'm, I'm like sad and I'm very proud at the same time because when you first came into the company you were a recent college graduate you graduated with a business degree and everything that you've learned I think just working together for the past year and a half, it was, it was kind of awesome to see. Cause you were like, Oh my God, college is so BS. Like I've learned so much here. And now it's been about a year and a half and you walked in as like a recent graduate new to the world. And now you're walking out as an expert that, that can really cause some damage in the marketing world. So yeah, you're a new hire, um, super happy or, or they, they did really well. So congrats. Thank you. That. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, the whole BS is still true. Very, very true. At least for me. <laughs> the whole what? The whole college is pure BS. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what you've learned now is it, you're, you're likely one of the top, I would say you're definitely one of the top 5% marketers now with all the knowledge you picked up. And I you'll probably so. be teaching them yeah. a lot of things. Cool. <laughs> All right, the road to NFT adoption. So we're going to talk about new things that are happening in the space that lead to increased adoption or maybe even decreased adoption. One of the first things that's happening is Instagram is now testing NFTs on its platform. Unfortunately, I am not able to test it because I am living in Colombia and I think you have to be in the US to get access to these features. Instagram, one of their reps, they put out a video on Twitter, and it's funny that they put it out on, on Twitter, but they put out a video on Twitter saying that creators are very important to them, and they want to help creators monetize with NFTs, and what are your thoughts on this, Santa? I don't know. I don't really know what to say. I think it's, I actually read that it was only for creators, or I don't know how that's going to work, if it's going to be available for everyone that holds an NFT. I just... Yeah, like what the name says is like this is part of the road to adoption and it's cool that they allowing they're allowing it. I think people are, are this is definitely gonna be pushed the same way as reels were pushed or are still yeah. pushed in terms of like the logarithm. So I guess people are really I hope this kind of they work hand in hand to raise like the whole hype and the whole market about it. So we'll I guess we'll see. Okay, my personal thoughts is they're a little late. They've, I think they were chasing the market. And now that they, they're here, it's a little late. It's probably not going to take as much heavy adoption until we start seeing people go crazy for NFTs again. And that will happen. We're just, you know, you just have to wait for market conditions to be correct. But right now, 
it's definitely not those market conditions. I think one of the areas why, or one of the reasons why Instagram is doing this NFT thing, because Mark Zuckerberg, who owns Instagram, the company Meta owns Instagram, they're essentially trying to build out this metaverse. And if they're late to the party with NFTs, then they're not really leaders in the space. So I think I think this launch was more of a symbolic launch in terms of what they can do. The use case, the jury's still out for that. So if you look at the use case for NFTs on Twitter, I mean, like, yeah, cool. You can put your NFT on your profile picture, which I do. But after that, it's like, what, you know, what is it? One of the cool things that I think you, you can use NFTs on Instagram for is with charity stickers. So if you're donating to a charity and you get a sticker in, in turn, you can show that off on your profile. And that would be something that I would personally want to say, yeah, I support these causes. Here's where I've donated. Like, here's my values. So I think doing charity stickers or like showing what, you know, missions you're voting on, et cetera, that could be a really all right, Starbucks offers Web3 loyalty rewards. So this is really not huge news. I mean, the reason I say it's not huge news is because they're just taking their old loyalty rewards program and making it Web3 by putting an NFT around it. But they do plan to grow a Web3 community. And it's interesting that they're, that they're doing this. The Vatican enters Web3. Now, this title also seems like, oh, my gosh, like even the Vatican is entering Web3. But <laughs> if, if you didn't even know what Web3 was, I think the way that this article would be titled is the Vatican launches a, a 3D, <laughs> yeah, 3D gallery on, on their website. So what the Vatican is doing is they have a lot of art they want to showcase, and they're just creating a 3D gallery to make it borderless so anyone can come enjoy it. Web3, when I think Web3, personally, I don't think just 3D gallery or 3D website, which it very much is, but I also think of that community aspect of it. And I think that's very important. So this is, if the Vatican wants to say they're entering the Web3, well, obviously they have a huge community. It's one of the largest religions in the world, but I think it needs to be a little bit more of a Web3 type community within this bigger community. Okay, this, this <laughs> nice clip art, Anna, you did a good job with this one. 30, <laughs> 35% are scared of the metaverse. So Axios, which is a research company, they did a survey. They surveyed 2,500 people around late March, and the survey was around like a two, three-day period. And what they learned is that when asked about the metaverse, six, around 60 people, I think it was like 59 point some decimal percent of people were indifferent. They didn't really care. They weren't excited or not excited. But a huge portion were like scared of the metaverse. And if you just have to kind of step back and think about who's scared, I know when Mark Zuckerberg mentioned meta, a lot of the younger people, they immediately got it. But the older people, they they didn't get it because they weren't open to it in the way that younger people are. And I'll, I'll explain it like this. Younger people, they're used to seeing much newer technologies, much different technologies. And because they're exposed to these newer technologies, they can kind of put together these ideas where they can see the future where these technologies will kind of combine together. Right. So, for example, in the metaverse, if your car is broken, 
right? Instead of popping open a, a YouTube video, you can actually just walk into a garage, get some advice on how to fix your car. And the thing is, people are building technologies for you to feel like that other person can be there where they can have some kind of pair of gloves that manipulates the environment where you are. I mean, like all of these possibilities are things that we're still creating and it's things that we can definitely see happening in five or 10 years. But I don't think older people see this because older people, they're, they're immediately going to think, you know, oh, can I get my car repaired in the metaverse? And they're saying that sarcastically, but the answer is yes, you can get your car repaired in the metaverse. Instead of having to go to YouTube, you can actually go talk to a professional and they might actually be able to repair your car by doing different kinds of things. Other, other areas where the metaverse is being used is when you have couples who are, who are separated by distance, right? And they want to connect with each other. So some some of the easiest ways to connect is I've seen this iPhone app where if you're touching one part of the phone and your person, your the, the person that you have a relationship with, if they find that part of the phone, then it gives a little feedback. And it's like, oh, you guys are touching the same part of the phone and it builds that connection. You know, this is very web 2.0, of course, but in the future, you're going to see so many more different things that are able to give you this kind of tactile feedback for this kind of connection so yeah so 35 percent are scared of the metaverse where are you anna are you in the 60 percent or the 35 percent that are the 35 percent that are scared or the 60 percent that are indifferent and i don't even know how these add up like because yeah i guess that's 95 so where the other five percent go <laughs> the excited part the people that are actually excited i think that this feeling of being scared i what the most like objection i came across was that people were scared that it would become like the new reality where everyone would be just so submerged in the web that they would forget to like hang out in person or how hang out in nature or just annoy enjoy nature so maybe saying it's just like older people rejecting technology I don't think that's entirely true I think that's also there's also people younger people are like even mid-aged that are just scared of letting go of nature and just you know like like <laughs> like yeah like, absolutely and i absolutely. i kind of i kind of step on that train of like not wanting to let go entirely of like real life interactions but i don't object either to like online interactions because i i technically spend at least what 15 20 to 20 hours on online so it's yeah. really just pointless to reject it in this in the sense i think so if you watch the show enough you already kind of know my take i'm not a very big vr person i don't you know dream about living in a vr world but i do like enabling technologies when technology can enable you to do more things, like that's an incredible thing, right? So if you think about people that don't have access to electricity and all of a sudden you give them a light bulb and a way to power that light bulb, well, now, you know, instead of having to spend all your hours teaching your kids in the daytime because they can't study at night because they can't even see what they're writing, now you've increased productivity because now people can actually work at night. So that light bulb was an enabling technology and the metaverse is the same thing. You know, you can never, I shouldn't say never, at least at this point, 
where it doesn't feel real enough in the future i do think that you know the metaverse can be indistinguishable from reality but right now i mean i'm very i i love looking at nature one of the reasons why i live where i live is because it's just such a green city but what i do see or where I do see the benefits of this, again, it's just like an enabling technology, right? So when we're having this meeting together, Anna, we're both staring at a camera, we're both we're both in, you know, different parts of the country, etc. And when Mark Zuckerberg was talking about the fundamental problem of the metaverse, and what they're trying to solve is this idea of presence. So it's really difficult I shouldn't say it's really difficult. Right now, the idea of presence when you're when you're with someone on a Zoom call, it, it's you don't really feel that level of presence, right? You're not comfortable. You don't feel like this person sitting next to you, where you feel comfortable. But there are some even Web two tools that are coming out that increases presence. So one of the tools that we use on our team is a conferencing app called Around, which is unlike Zoom. It's something where our team and I, we or our team, we get together and we co-work together. And it's this it's this app that you can just put on, and it makes you kind of feel like you're all just hanging out because you're there, but you can stay on mute. You don't have to feel like you have to be on camera or you have to be on the Zoom. It just puts these little bubbles up where it just feel, you can kind of feel that they're present. If you have any questions or if you want to share a meme or something like that, you can unmute. Um, and it even lets you like use GIFs to show reactions and things like that. So that lets you share your personality a little bit more. And I think what we'll see with the metaverse world is just a 3D representation of that where you feel a lot more presence and you'll and you'll get to essentially just feel like you're hanging out with with people which I think is going to be cool because if you're watching a movie together on a zoom call you're not getting that same kind of feeling but if you felt like that person was sitting next to you and you guys are watching a movie together and you guys are laughing together if you've ever been to a movie theater you know when when you're laughing you usually look to see if other people are laughing because that's like a human thing to do. We want to see if other people found it funny. You know, do they get it? Are we on the same page? And that makes us feel good. And if you're doing that on Zoom, you can't do it. But in the metaverse, you know, if you can see the other person laughing, reacting, then it feels it feels validating for you because you got the joke too. And yeah, so that's I think that's what we're like building towards. All right, Dubai's virtual asset regulator sets up headquarters in the sandbox. And this, have you heard about the Santa? Just today? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, just today. Not really sure yeah. what it. What's up? So Dubai, they have a virtual asset regulator, and essentially they bought a plot in the sandbox. And this is more of a symbolic move, showing, pretty much showing that they believe in this space. And this headquarters is going to be set up essentially what we were talking about before, where people can just meet with each other and, and talk business. And what they're hoping to do is attract a lot of younger people who wish to be licensees and, and you know, wish to have their assets regulated, things like that. So it's interesting. They, they bought a headquarter in the sandbox. And again, there's really no kind of function right now. And it's more of a symbolic move, but this, this will be interesting. I guess it just backs up their whole sentiment, no? Como que it backs up the entire philosophy. So it just makes sense. Yeah, it makes them seem like they're the cool kids, right? Because it's like not, they're not just setting up like this stuffy office. 
but they're actually doing what other DGENs do. And they're like, hey, we're, we're DGENs too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, like virtual asset regulator sounds so corporative, but saying like we have our headquarters in the sandbox changes the game. And Yeah. All right. Gatorade owner. So the company that owns Gatorade, they, they filed a trademark for a virtual beverage product. So I guess we might see virtual Gatorades. How is this going to work? I mean, how would you get a virtual beverage? I don't know. I think the, the, how I see this working out is more kind of like a rewards program. So we're just taking something that's already old, something that's already there. And we're just, you know, adding new technology to it. So instead of when, when crypto first came out and people were starting to do ICOs, I've always said that this is essentially like airline miles, but instead of keeping it on a spreadsheet, it's on a decentralized spreadsheet. And with Gatorade, with rewards programs, things like that, I think you're going to have, have similar things. And the thing is, when you're getting into a virtual beverage product or whatever, I imagine that the cost to develop this is really low compared to the goodwill that you might be putting out into this market that's interested in the space. And then also just to get a little bit of hype. So it, it seems like a very low cost, high benefit kind of move as well. Okay. Kraken opens an NFT marketplace beta. So they, they released a blog article where they have a wait list now where you can sign up for their NFT marketplace. And it just seems like everyone and their mom and their dog is <laughs> opening up an NFT market marketplace. And if you've seen some of these other NFT marketplaces that are trying to compete with the open sea, they haven't really done too well. So in our last episodes, we talked about the, the Coinbase, NFT right? marketplace from Coinbase. Yeah, it didn't really have that many transactions, didn't have that many users. Then we also talked about Looks Rare, which actually had a lot of interest because they had a pretty good referral type program where you can, where you can earn rewards and then stake those rewards to earn more rewards. But what we're seeing is no one's using those platforms is just because they don't have the liquidity. All the liquidity right now is on OpenSea. And here's the thing. In our last headlines episode, we mentioned how OpenSea is acquiring GEM. And GEM lets you aggregate, aggregate NFTs across several different marketplaces. So I think this is going to be a Trojan horse for OpenSea if they are able to let you actually trade on other other marketplaces because then that that solidifies basically the as OpenSea is the most liquid point for NFT trading. But what do you mean like a Trojan horse? Trojan horse for just the market. It's like their secret weapon. So while everyone else is creating NFT marketplaces, OpenSea is like, go ahead and create your marketplace. You create your marketplace. And what we're going to do is we're just going to let people trade on OpenSea and they can still trade on your marketplace without having to go to your marketplace. But we, they will still stay on OpenSea. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty smart move. Um, if anyone wanted to compete with, with OpenSea as an NFT marketplace, I mean, they, they would have to have all the liquidity. And I don't think offering fee-less trades is enough of a incentive to take liquidity away from OpenSea. Okay, mutual fund provider Van Eck offers NFT collection. <laughs> I like that. Whoa. Uh, mutual fund provider Van Eck offers NFT collection. So yeah, this is like the first time a global asset 
manager fund is releasing a an nft collection and this is actually a nft collection to build a community so i think there's about 1000 nfts and it will be interesting what kind of community benefits they will have and again i think you know what we've seen with gatorade and vanek and starbucks i think they're just kind of entering into this space just to just to ride the hype but now that it's May 10th and we're looking at OpenSea, we're looking at where, where Ethereum is, where crypto is, where stocks are, where everything is. I mean, just talk about really bad timing for All right, Landwatch. On this show, we've, we've mentioned Shiba Inu is releasing Metaverse Land, and they announced that you will now be able to mint Shiba Inu with SHIB. So this is giving a use case for SHIB, which should add value to SHIB. So that that was interesting. Before you could use SHIB, you had to mint using Ethereum, but now you can use Then ApeCoin integrates with the Polygon network. So ApeCoin, in our previous episode, I think for, I can't remember which segment it was, NFT or where it was, but Yuga Labs was getting a lot of heat. They were taking in a lot of heat because what it seemed like and what they were being accused of is Yuga was purposely trying to, to congest the Ethereum network so they can justify creating their own ApeCoin. Well, the founders, of course, they came out and they said, you know, that wasn't the intention at all. And whether it was the intention or not, I mean, that's probably what they're going to say. But what they did do is they integrated with the Polygon network. So that should take off some network congestion off of Ethereum and and yeah, and speaking of ApeCoin, I think ApeCoin is probably at the lowest it's ever been. Let's see what the what the prices were. People were expecting it to go to $30 during the other deed mint. And now it's like under $10, I think. Let's go. Or it might have dropped. Yeah, $9.21. Ouch. I feel really bad for people that bought ApeCoin thinking that it was going to go to $30. $30. C'est la vie. It is what it is. You live and learn. All right, right-click heist. And we, I think we made a bet, kind of made a bet, right? Like, would we ever have a show that didn't have this section? And then we just kind of realized that, no, um, no. probably never. <laughs> so OpenSea itself, their Discord was hacked with a phishing attack. Um, someone took over the Discord and, you know, they put up some kind of mint thing to, to collect... Um, Ethereum, this happens all the time. So even if it's in the Discord, even if it seems official, you still have to approach it with some kind of scrutiny because these phishing attacks are pretty common. And the OpenSea Discord, yeah, the OpenSea Discord was hacked. All right, the top headlines. So I think we actually talked about the top headlines at the very beginning, right? The markets crashed on the Fed rate increase. So I, I think we'll just skip over this. We already know it's a bloodbath. Everyone's hurting. There's not a single person in this world that's not hurting, except for maybe my younger brother who actually shorted the market um, six months ago and he held on to his shorts and he's he's like jumping up and down because he was like, the market's a rat. You know, it's like his whole thought is the market's overvalued and he shorted the market. So he's he's doing pretty well. But most of us are are not doing too well. What I think will happen, however, is it's going to eventually start to come back, especially with Ethereum. So if you're 
if you're looking at the quote unquote fundamentals, and when I say fundamentals, just talking about some of the stuff that Ethereum is doing that suggests a price direction, not a price target, the price direction, I'm still optimistic on the direction. All right, the NFT of the day. And we kind of talked a little bit about the first one, which was didn't even make this deck. We just kind of threw that in there about the Azuki founder and how mm. Azuki has been tanking. But Elon, this is this is not good for NFTs at all. Elon Musk trolls NFTs hard. What Elon did is Elon changed his profile picture and he changed his profile picture to some image he took from the internet. I think it was from like a Sotheby's auction that was auctioning off a bunch Three of board apes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he, he put it as, as his profile picture and he's like, I don't know, it seemed kind of fungible. Some, some of the people in the market thought it was a bullish indicator, but I think other people that know that kind of like, you know, they've seen Elon troll. Elon is a hard troll, and it also takes a troll to know a troll, but Elon is definitely a hard troll. So, yeah, as soon as this came out, Elon is trolling hard. And one of the comments that I actually made on my Instagram is even though Elon is trolling, this is not the first time that Elon has done something to where this is not the first time that Elon has done something where he's manipulated the market to his benefit. So he'll talk bad about something and then, you know, something will tank and later on he'll, he might buy in. To me, if I had to share, I don't think that's the most ethical way of doing things. It's definitely illegal if, if you're purposely doing it with Elon, you know, it's really difficult to prove intention. So, so the way that Elon is doing it, however, it's a little bit beautiful. So he kind of gets away with it because he's just so blunt and so blatant with it. People actually respect it. He's not trying to, he's not, you know, trying to be shady. He's just a troll and people just kind of accept it. And it's also like so basic, like he doesn't like publish this article and why he thinks like he doesn't try to show off his smartness, you know, he just is. And it just seems like he's a normal dude having opinions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is interesting because as someone with Asperger's, he's not very socially aware. Right. But I think people just seem to like people who aren't afraid to be themselves. And Elon does a very good job of, of that. Unless, unless you're too much of yourself like Kanye and you go overboard. And I'm a huge Kanye fan too. So that's saying that like, just really upset with the state of Kanye <laughs> at this moment. All right, Genie blames DDoS attacks on GEM. So we've already talked a little bit on this episode how OpenSea acquired GEM, which is going to add new functionality and features to OpenSea. We talked more about that on our previous headlines episode. Well, this past week, Genie, which is the competitor to GEM, they were attacked. They had a DDoS attack. DDoS stands for denial of service. And essentially, for this attack to happen, what one entity does is they flood traffic to another service provider. So it, it congests their, it essentially overwhelms their systems and their systems stop working. Well, what happened here is that the people that were overwhelming their system, it was coming from headers that used the gem.xyz domain name. And Gem is saying that they're not responsible. Someone is spoofing their domain, which is definitely possible. Someone is spoofing their domain and making it look like Gem is doing the attack when it's not really true. But Genie 
definitely came out and accused Jem of doing it just because of the headers. This is interesting. Like, where do you go from here? How do you prove this? How do you, you know, prove your innocence? This story really isn't good for anyone. It's not good for Jeannie or Jem. And to Jem's credit, I mean, if you're going to do a DDoS attack, you're probably not going, you're, you're probably going to mask your headers. You're probably not going to make it come from your own servers. So, you know, just thinking about it in terms of common sense, I would say that, yeah, they, they were, someone was probably spoofing and making it seem like Jem was doing the DDoS attack. Uh, but this is just a bad look for everyone. It's a bad look for OpenSea as well, because OpenSea just acquired Jem. Mm -hmm. And it's not a very good thing to acquire a company that uses, uh, you know, black hat or gray hat practices. I mean, I, I, it could also might as well be like, <laughs> it's just funny because you, people get creative, right? Like you're saying you would not have your title on the banners or like make it obvious, but what if you want to make it obvious just so that it, you get like, to you know, not to mess with them, like, you know, the typical criminal. People yeah, but okay, so just, just thinking about it from, from Jem's perspective, let's assume that as Jem, I do want to act maliciously and I want to do a, a DDoS attack on Genie, right? I wouldn't have my programmers or my team or my people do this. This would probably be something that's outsourced to someone else. So that, that right yeah. away, it, yeah, just thinking through, just thinking through, because that's really, really sloppy work and yeah but who knows i mean this this thing these things are pretty difficult to prove unless the person that actually did the attack comes out and says yeah it was us haha <laughs> we got you i don't know okay guys that's it for this episode this was a not so good weekend for nft or not so good week for nfts but it may be a pretty good week to find some good steals because while others panic you can take advantage of that by offering um, them to get liquid and you can pick up their assets at a major discount. So we will see you in the next episode. This was Anna's last episode. So Anna, this is your very last. Ah, okay. Did I have the last word. Let's see, let me just say this is Robin Copernicus. Thank you so much for joining us with NFC Headlines with Metaverse Land Club. I will see you guys in the Discord. And now, Anna, it is the last word. All right. Thank you so much, everyone who's joined. I saw, I think, Dave and Daniel who joined us. Thank you for being such an awesome supporter of this community. I wish the best to MLC and just everyone who's a firm believer. And yeah, I'll, I'll definitely stay tuned, whatever you guys. For those adventurous people who stay here. <laughs> For the adventurous. All right, everyone, take care. Thank you guys so much.